Couch Talk Sports here for another episode. Couch Talk Sports. We're going to do a little something different today. We're going to dive into the state of America. We're going to include some sports things into that, but there's a lot going on in America right now. I'm here with my two friends, Ryan News. He's back on the show. What's up, News? What's up, Sue? How's you living out there, man? Good, good, good. How's everything out there? Calm. Calm, calm. <laughs> and I welcome one of my other guests to the show today, Lamont Shannon. He's new. How's it going, Lamont? What's going on, man? How you doing? Good, good, good. How's everything out there with you? Everything is good. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to dive in. Sports is the main topic on this show, Couch Talk Sports, but there's a lot going on outside of sports right now with the current state of America. You got the racial divide. You got the riot and looting. You got police brutality. You got the Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter. Let's talk about it. How do y'all feel about the current state of America right now? Man, you want me to dive in? I mean, personally, like, it's been uneasy for me. I can't even imagine how uneasy it has to be for black individuals in this country. I mean, it's been kind of weird being up here in, like, the whitest area of America up here in Montana and North Idaho and experiencing it from this side. It's kind of heartbreaking. <laughs> I definitely understand that. Same here in California. It's a lot going on. We had Hollywood being looted every day. We got protests going on the 19th straight day. They had a huge protest in last week in Hollywood. About 50,000 people showed up just trying to stay strong. I've been out there myself protesting. How about you, Lamont? How's it going out there? Everything is good, man. I'm uh, here in Boise, Idaho, America's best kept secret. I don't know if it's still a secret now, but it's good. It's been disgusting to watch everything, though. It's just disgusting. And if people don't know why it's disgusting, go pick up a fucking history book and just look at the values that America is supposed to stand on. We have gotten so far away from it, it's fucking disgusting, period. Let's talk about those values. What type of values are you talking about? Justice, equality, righteousness. It's the nation that right is supposed to be founded upon principles of the Bible, right? And so we so far left from that, not to get preachy or churchy or anything like that, but it's like, damn, like we have lost our basic decency. And if we can't see that, then in the words of Jay Z, your whole perspective is what? Yeah. Period point but, but do you think that racial divide is based off those values that we got going on right now and always has been like that? And look, it's tough to even say racial divide because you got to word it properly because I don't believe there's this big racial divide like they try to make it out to be. I just don't believe it to be. So are there racist people? Most definitely. Are there racist people in high places of the world? Most definitely. Are there racist people within law enforcement? Most definitely. But to say a racial divide amongst the people, listen, I don't have to say nothing. There's plenty of footage of what happened you see the racial unity. So clearly there's not a racial divide. Now there are still idiots on both sides, but it is what it is, right? Mm -hmm. Overall, I think we united as a people. Division comes with the system. Yeah. Let's back up for a minute. Let's tell everybody, everybody already know how this got started. It got started about three weeks ago when officer in Minneapolis kneeled on the neck of George Floyd for about eight minutes and 46 seconds. That was caught live on camera. That 
video went out to the public. The news showed it nonstop, and that sent everybody into a uproar because it's not the first time that happened to African-American. This might just been a tipping point. And the reason why I bring up racial divide because it seems like everybody's split right now between the Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter. I never said that all lives didn't matter. We're just saying right now that black lives matter because of what black people are going through. Bring that question to you guys. What do you guys, news? what do you think about the black lives versus all lives matter? To be honest with you, it's pretty simple. At the end of the day, all lives do matter, but not all lives are in danger at this moment in time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a whole story in the Bible how there's a hundred sheep and one sheep runs away. And Jesus leaves to go and find the one sheep, right? Because the one sheep is the one in danger, not the 99 that we're all together. I think that's where people are getting confused. It's like when there's one person that's in trouble, you go and take care of them versus the 100 people that aren't. I mean, that's where the difference between the Black Lives and All Lives Matter come into play. And I think it's being misconstrued by the powers that be when you have power people like the media or even the president of all people saying one thing it kind of changes the picture right it changes what the true meaning of something really is changes the narrative of things right exactly because you say black lives matter you just talk about black lives so here come all lives matter saying wait all lives matter but all lives aren't treated equal so that's why they're saying black lives matter what do you think about that lamont I think it's simple. Honestly, if you don't understand it, I don't have time to slow down and teach you. That's just how I feel about it. It's clear what it is. We're not saying that all lives don't matter. Obviously, every fucking life matters, right? Right. But there has been a concentrated effort, and it's obvious that a particular group of America, lives just seem to be worth less, right? And so that's the focus right now. If you don't understand that, then... Really yeah. yeah, but I think that's where that racial divide comes into play, right? Because you got the human race, which should be the only race, but then you have all these things that benefit white people. So I think that's kind of where the racial divide comes in to play. So you separate us by the color of our skin. So you have the white people who have the opportunity when it comes to advancing jobs, whatever opportunity may be. And you have these other races, blacks, Latinos, who have to work a little bit harder to get those. And you see that you have a black person that's more prepared for something than a white person, but that white person ends up getting that opportunity over the black person or the black person has to work 20 times harder than that white person. So when we talk about racial divide, I kind of think that's the kind of context I see it from, but I'm not sure that you guys may see it from that same angle. No, I definitely see shit like that happening for sure. Like I definitely see, obviously, easier paths for advancement for a particular group over another. Yeah, nepotism. Yeah, that's... Yeah. But even in that sense, like, I just think that particular group of people that is still deciding to play by these old rules. So how far does that racial divide go to even be called division? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, but that brings us to where we're at now, right? So it's not just by opportunity, it's by power structure. So you have all these white officers walking around acting like they disappeared in all of us. Then they end up out here killing African-Americans abusing their power. So that's how we get to where we are now because of that racial divide. That's the way I see it. My biggest thing with the people with the All Lives Matter is just the fact that the people that are saying it 
don't really look at the other side, right? They don't see that all lives actually matter. They just see that all lives matter because that's their life that they're worried about. They're not worried about someone else's life. All these all lives matter people really only care about them and then their people, right? They don't really care about all of them. They just want to be included in the all. So I don't get why people who say all lives matter don't actually look at all the lives, right? <laughs> I, it's like kind of mind blowing to me. Exactly. Exactly. That's actually a very good point. So when you think about what's going on right now, that leads us to the riot in Luton. This might have been a tipping point to we've seen it for the last 10 years. I know we've seen it under the Obama administration with Trayvon Martin, a lot of other people, Walter Scott in South Carolina, Felipe Castillo in Minnesota. And then we had Mike Brown in St. Louis, which was the Ferguson riots. But this point, George Floyd, this might have been a tipping point. So do you guys agree with all the protesting, rioting, looting that's going on right now? You think it's cause for, you think it's out of control? To me, it goes beyond even the last 10 years. Look at this country's founding. I mean, people forget the Boston Tea Party was like one of the first big riots, right? I mean, <laughs> it was all white people that were mostly going in, throwing the tea off the boats into the harbor. People say, oh, it was just tea. Well, that was a huge amount of money back in the day. That was a huge export. That's a ton of money. And in history, it shows that rioting and cutting off people's money is what actually makes the difference. Again, I don't know what's right and wrong. I don't know what I'm doing in this situation because I haven't been suppressed my whole life or my grandparents haven't been suppressed. But I'm just saying it's shown to work <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think people are just voicing their frustration right now because this has probably been the longest people protest in American history. We're going on like the 19th, 20th straight day and people's continuing on to walk the streets. And they said there's protesters going on in every state in America. And that pretty much shocked me because down south, those states can be a little bit more prejudiced or show a little bit more discrimination to African-American, but for them to get out and actually be protested on our behalf and fighting for equality, I think this event with George Floyd really, really sent people over the edge and really was eye-opening for people. For sure. When protests and things come, like, somebody's always mad when someone's protesting. Like, what was it, two or three weeks ago, white people with machine guns were lined up all over the streets protesting because they were getting their rights taken away because they wanted a damn haircut. <laughs> now, when People like not even just black people, people of all colors, white people included are out there protesting. People are angry and saying, why are you out here? Why are you disrupting civil rights and things like that? It just doesn't make sense to me. People yeah. are always going to be mad about it. And that's not a reason not to do it. Yeah. I wouldn't say that's racial divide. I would say that's more privilege, right? You have uh, people of when we're going through the pandemic saying, open back up my city. I want a haircut. I want to get my nails done. I want to go to sporting events. They're marching on Capitol Hill with, actually with their firearms and the president does nothing. But then you have these African-Americans and Latinos who protested because of George Floyd and we have no weapons. We're just out in the street marching. Then he calls in the military. He calls in reinforcements. So I think that's another way you can look at why there's racial divide it kind of shows white privilege. So I think that's a good point you pointed out right there, Nunes. What do you think about the riot in Luton Lamont? Think it's necessary? You think it's they overdoing it? Think it's just getting started? They need to keep doing it? <laughs> Listen, God bless. I don't know, man. I get it. I like understand the frustration. And at the end of the day, they only go understand when you do hit their pockets. So when you look at it from that sense, from an economic sense, I'm all for it. But obviously, I don't think everybody's going to look at it from an economic sense. 
and people just out there causing havoc for the sake of causing havoc with no real cause behind it. And I think that's wrong. But as far as like rioting, even like the protests, and like I'm all for it. Like I'm cool with it. Like do it. I think it's necessary. I think you got to yeah. keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. I think that's what you got to do. You got to stop like going to work the whole nine. This is the catch 22. We was all out of work anyway. 40 million people. So it's like the economy was already slowed down. I had something like this happen when 40 million people was working. I think we would have been 10 times more effective because we would have had people not going to work and protesting and things like that. So protesting is effective with the right strategy. But the thing is, you can't protest forever. So you always got to start thinking, well, what's after the protesters? Let me pose a question then. I mean, people have been protesting and rioting the same way for 50, 60, 70 years. I mean, the world's changed a lot in that time. Why don't you take your looting to the next level and really hit people's pockets like Amazon? Like, all right, we're protesting Amazon. Seriously, no one shopped there for a month. Like, that's all it takes. And all these people that were out in the streets just decide, hey, we're not giving Amazon a dollar for the next month. Or, you know, don't get on social media. Don't get on Instagram. Don't get on Twitter. That cuts off way more money than just robbing a Nordstrom rack. Like, this is something that would actually be felt by the actual people that make decisions. So why haven't we changed our way of protesting towards the generation that we're in now, I guess? Well, that would be tough because... As the people, I mean, we don't have the technology. I mean, I don't think, like, you got to think Twitter and Instagram and all these people and all these companies, like, yeah, like, we fuel it, but that's our way of communication. That's our way of knowledge and information. So it's kind of like a checkmate thing. Like, even though you could probably get people to do it, it's like, at the end of the day, for me to broadcast something from New York to L.A., I need fucking Twitter. And so I think that's where the difficulty would come in as far as protesting something like a Twitter, Instagram, or things like that. Because even if you do it for a day, it's like you'll be back. <laughs> yeah, right. We're not going for like a week or a month with like no Twitter. Like imagine like that's a large barrier of communication cut off with the world. I don't even think that's smart to even do that. I think you just have to figure out something else. But I totally agree. Hitting something like that I mean, you could argue you could do Amazon no problem, though. Amazon not only sells their own products and gets a cut of it, but they sell products from Target, from Best Buy. They sell products from all these huge corporations. And Amazon's not a thing of communication, right? I mean, I use my fire stick every day. It's hard to give up something like that, right? But if everyone were to be like, guess what? We're not doing it for even a week. That company's losing billions of dollars. And then you kind of have their attention. That makes perfect sense. I think that's a very, very good idea. And I think sometimes that get lost. You got to separate the protest from the actually rioters and looters too as well, because everybody that's out there protesting, protesting for a cause, the ones out there looting, they're just out there to just to loot, take things, mess things up. So I think they got to separate it and try to see what's the best way to go about it. I actually agree with all the protests going on. I'm not going to say I agree with the looting, but hey, when you've been scarred so many times, I can't disagree with them burning down three precincts in Minnesota. You know, I can't see them not storming the Capitol, fighting back against martial law and those type of things. So I actually kind of agree with the rioting, protesting. I don't necessarily agree with the looting, but the news and the media try to spin it a certain way, saying that it's 
the black people doing this, but if you look at all the pictures, it's really not black people who are doing the looting and rioting. It's everybody's involved in that from all races of life. But I think the real people who are protesting are the real black people who have genuine feelings about this type of inequality and injustice going on in this society right now. Right. I mean, the problem is people aren't separating the riots from the protests, right? But we're quick yeah. to separate the cops that killed somebody versus all the cops, right? So if we're able to comprehend, separate that, why aren't we able to comprehend separating the, <laughs> the riots and exactly. the protests? People don't want to separate things that they don't know. Well, I mean, I don't want to be rude here, because who the fuck am I? But I don't think people have the ability to comprehend. You see, these things are still skills at the end of the day. And I don't want to get too deep, because I know we're not here for that. But Hey, we're here to talk about it. We switched topics for a reason today. We decided to knock off sports and talk about it. So the state of America, speak your mind. I mean, listen, like, at the end of the day, America isn't number one in science, education, mathematics, none of this. So, therefore, I have no reason to believe these type of numbers will obviously affect someone's ability to comprehend in the future. I'm no educational expert in all these things, but I'm a human expert, so that's enough. But I don't think people can even comprehend what you're saying. Do you think they can't comprehend or they don't want to? Because I think my biggest thing that I've got from talking to people in North Idaho or in Montana is like, they don't even want to put in the effort to see the other side. They're just setting their ways. They saw someone tweet it. They saw Fox News put it on TV. So that's what they believe. They don't want to put in the effort because it takes a little bit of time to figure out what's really going on or the other side. So I don't know if it's an ability or a want. I mean, those kind of go hand in hand, though. Like, in order to break your own psyche down... And in order to step out your comfort zone, you have to have the ability to critically think, critically analyze. You have to obviously be curious. You have to not be afraid to approach the other side. All these type of things, skills and qualities, basic things that I'm saying is what's lacking in the overall lexicon of America right now. This is why it's fucking disgusting. Yeah, yeah I'm just saying how it is. Yeah. It's but, just sick. But I think that's actually, I think y'all bring up some more good points when it comes to people not wanting or they don't care. Like, people don't see race as a problem. Go ahead. What'd you say? Yeah, listen. Some people really don't. Well, I think you can weed out, but I really believe some people don't have the ability. Because think, like, in order to become more, I guess, you have to explore things that are unnatural to you, right? You have to explore things that are new and foreign to you. When you're dealing with politics, if all you consume is like Fox or Republican media or whatever type of media, and you don't at least hear what the other side is saying, I'm not saying you have to believe it, but at least hear it out and give it an honest perspective. Like these are all interpersonal type of skills that can and should be taught that aren't taught. This is all I'm saying. Mm -hmm. it's, it's so deep rooted shit here in America. That it's like, I don't have all the answers. I just got a few clues on where the problem is. And we can get people to fill the answers in. But these are all deep-rooted things that lead into a cop maybe not being able to see the difference between a black life and a white life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, we actually have the luxury of having Noons on the show who's a Caucasian male in America. So how do you have those uncomfortable conversations about race, Noons? I think for the most part... We're a product of our environment, right? I didn't grow up in a all-white neighborhood. I didn't grow up with only white friends. I mean, 
I always had people that didn't look like me in my life. I mean, I think a big part of that is being in extracurricular activities. So for me, it was playing sports, but for other people, it could be theater or whatever it may be, because then you find commonality with people. It's easy to point out the differences between me and you or me and Lamont or me and Jack over there. It's a little harder to point out the similarities, but the fact that you give a relationship a try or you're connected through something like sports or theater, or any number of things, you automatically have a commonality and you're able to look at this person and be like, they're the same as me. I mean, they like the same stuff and you're able to have conversations which lead into deeper conversations and things of that nature. And then as far as now in my life where I live in more white areas, it's easier for me to have those conversations because I've been around it so long that if I know someone's being wrong, it's easy for me to tell them they're being wrong because I'm like, you don't know. You don't have these perspectives. <laughs> exactly. I don't, at this point, I'm grown and I don't really care if they think I'm being dumb or whatever it may be. No, I definitely agree with that because I'm having a lot of conversations with white coworkers and some of them just don't believe that race exists or that discrimination exists. It's not like they're not educated about it. They just truly believe that it don't exist. They don't think blacks being discriminated is a real thing. They think because their son is white, he get pulled over by the cops, that everybody get pulled over by the cops, but it's not the same interaction. So I think they have to educate themselves on that. When a white person get pulled over for the cops, they may not be as aggressive as they are with an African-American. And we see that all over the nation. Well, I think another thing that was like kind of eye-opening to me, at least at a young age, Oscar Grant was in Oakland on New Year's and he got shot when he was handcuffed. Mm -hmm. And like, that was something that was around me. And I had to be like introduced to it at like a younger age where like, I was like, what the heck is going on? My parents have to explain to me what's, what happened. They show me the video online. They're just like, that's fucked up, essentially. <laughs> like, and I've been around it for such a long time that it's kind of just, it's not really hard to have a, a conversation about it anymore, I guess. Yeah. How do your conversations go out there in Idaho, Lamont? I know you were, I know they was out there protesting Black Lives Matter, but are they protesting and they're really part of the cause? Are they just out there to show face? I mean, you guys are in two very white cities, so you guys have a better perspective when I'm in a more diverse city than you guys are. No, man, I'll be honest with you. I was not out there. Not that I don't support, not that I don't see the importance of it. It's just I was not out there. And so... How do those conversations with your white friends go at this moment, though? How are they, how are they going? I mean, there's really no conversation to be had. I mean, I really... I don't know. It's just kind of like what, like, no one's kind of say, like, you could be a product of your environment. Like, all of my white friends, they understand. Like, they get it. Like, mm -hmm. it's an understanding there might be a little bit of brush up here and there, like on basic histories of things. Like, now obviously those people are out there, but I haven't sat down and had no like extensive conversation with no way. Like, I'm not trying to convince somebody of nothing. Like, that's not my style. Like, and I don't think that should be the culture style. If like somebody doesn't like you, doesn't fuck with you because of whatever reason, fuck them. Period, point blank. I don't give a fuck who it is. Period. Like, this is just how it goes. Like, I'm not going to sit here and try to, like, convince a person who is clearly racist on you shouldn't be racist. Like, is it fucked up? It is fucked up. Is he a piece of shit or is she a piece of shit? Yes, he or she is a piece of shit. At the end of the day, I'm not going to waste my time trying to really convince them because clearly their mind is made up for whatever reason. The only thing I really be wanting to, like, know is white people, why don't y'all like black people? Like, I just really want to know, like, 
get them answered. Get the stupidest answer. It could be thought-provoking, non-thought-provoking. I don't give a shit. Give me something. But there's no real answer. I mean, really think about it. There's no real, like, what's the universal answer for why, like, you just don't like black people? Mm-hmm. This is just, I don't like black people. Okay, but why? Not that I'm going to convince you this, and just I just kind of want to know why for like my own researching purposes. <laughs> but it's like, why at the end of the day? Like, is it because we dribble better? We jump better? Is it because our music a little better? Is it because we swing a little better? Is it because like our dance moves is here? Like, what is it? I really don't know. Yeah, I That's really... the only question. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. him. I'm not trying to convince you to fuck with me. Fuck you, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> no, I think it really goes back to the just the, you know, the psychological mindset of the home and the history of America. History of America is like whites has always been the dominant population or the, the dominant race here in America. And they built their principles on that. And that was really instilled from generation past, sorry, not instilled, yeah, instilled and passed down from generation to generation. And that hasn't went anywhere. We see that from the abolishment of slavery. They turned the abolishment of slavery into segregation. Then they turned segregation into prison, mass incarceration, with the war on drugs, and they went to mass incarceration. So they just found different ways to remain in control. And while remaining in control, the blacks are the victim of that. So I think just the mindset of, okay, we are a dominant race, they are inferior, and they don't have to listen to what we do, and that's what's been passed down. I think it's kind of getting a little bit differently now, because this newer generation, I would say Generation Z, they're kind of a little bit more against their parents' point of views, or grandparents, great-grandparents' perspective. So I think it's getting a little bit, that's why I think the uproar is happening now, because the younger generation really sees the mistakes and all that that their parents taught them, and they're trying to help African-Americans out with fixing those mistakes. Yeah, I think that goes back to being a product of your environment, right? The world's getting smaller now with these things like social media, right? I mean, you could talk to somebody in China right now if you really wanted to. Mm-hmm. So again, you get in these chat rooms like Reddit or whatever, and you have a thread with hundreds of thousands of people who all have the same thing in common with you. And so you're able to connect with these people and have a, a personal connection with somebody, not even knowing what they look like. And I think that's what is allowing this new generation, I guess, to be able to see it a little differently, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that brings us to our next topic, police brutality. They're seeing all the effects that uh, police brutality is having on African-Americans, and it's a real thing. And I think that police brutality against African-Americans is probably one of the biggest, most dangerous things that we have out there right now. Let's talk about that. You think this is one that pushed everybody over the edge because they've been seeing police brutality too much? Or you think it's just a moment? Or you think it's going to continue to continue to, you know, how they have a movement and then disappears and nothing happens of it? Because they're talking about all this police reform now. They're talking about defund the police. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, man, I think this one's different, man. I mean, obviously, like, it took multiple times for this shit to happen, but something about this one feels a bit different. This one really feels like you got the possibility to really make some shit happen, like, for real, for real. But, you know, like, I think the police reform, I think it's great. And I think one of the things is, just like I think I told both of y'all this before, it's like the same way that you can't run from, like, city district or city council or certain public seats within your district unless you live in that community for a certain amount of time, the reform should be 
you no longer can police the communities that you work in unless you live in these communities for X amount of time. And what this does is it creates jobs. America, this is free because I'm not giving y'all all of my game because y'all got to cut this back. I ain't doing shit. You're not getting a Lamont game for free? <laughs> you don't get one. Nah, I can't do that because America hasn't shown me that it's worthy. But we go back to the Bible and it says, don't cash your pearls before swine. America has been looking real swinish lately. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> In my words are pearls. And it is what it is. But listen, the reform, you cannot police this community, period. And that's just going to create a couple jobs in every city or every little town or whatever, because the people of that community go have an opportunity to get those jobs. Right? Right. Mm -hmm. That needs to be in the reform. Like, because you can't even run for, like, certain public offices unless you live there. Right? And, like, I think the second piece of the reform should be we need to take away lethal weapons from the first line of defense cops. Because... When you get pulled over and you got a gun to your head and things like this, like this happened to me. I was at home, me and a friend, and we get pulled over still to this day. We don't even know why we got pulled over. Like we was driving, the cops just look over, they slow down, they get behind us, they pull us over, whatever. They got guns already drawn, but by the time we could even look back, right? Like that shit is wild. Any wrong movement, I could have been dead. My friend could have been dead. We don't know what we did. Was it a tail light? Was it a not blinker? What I mean, to cuff us to do all this with your guns drawn at the back of our head in a threatening way? Come on, man. Like, this is wild. So the second piece of the reform should be you take away the weapons from the first line of defense cops. Once again, I'm going to create some more jobs just so we don't got to fully defund the police. You see how good I am, America? Listen, don't create a second wave. It becomes so. Therefore, it'll kind of run into a situation where it's an individual with some firearms. Okay, cool. Call it in, and then you got a second crew that come in with the firearms, with some pistols, with some guns that can ready get it cracking, mm-hmm. right? But the everyday cop that's out pulling people over should not have a pistol on your hip if you're pulling over fucking traffic stops, right? Like I seen a cop on the bike with a fucking gun out the day. Who the fuck are you shooting off a fucking huffy? Be honest. Like, who are you shooting off of this fucking bike? Like, you have a bike and you have a pistol? Like, what is going on? Like, you have enough to contain a situation. You got rubber bullets, you got tasers, you got spray. You got all this shit. Take away the guns. Make the people feel safer. Now, I know some people in the world do have guns, so the cops' argument is going to be, oh, no, well, we need guns to make us feel safer. Well, that's why we create a second line of defense that are the lethal weapon cops that come in that could really contain a situation if there are weapons present. Mm-hmm. That's those two pieces of things need to be in the reform and it needs to be mandated, period point blank. And we need to build on top of that. That's not the all be all. But I think that's a great foundation. Like, I think that's a great base. And obviously you're going to need to tinker with it and play, change it as time goes on. So I think that's a great base and that's a starting point. Yeah. Actually San Francisco did something that was pretty good today. I don't know if it's actually going into law yet, but they said in the Los Angeles Times today, it said that San Francisco police officers will be placed with trained unarmed professionals to respond to calls for help on non-criminal matters involving mental health, the homeless, school discipline, and neighbor disputes as part of a new wave of police reform. So I think captures what you were talking about in a nutshell. You'll have trained professionals for the non-criminal violations 
And if they do turn into something criminal, then they also know actually send in the actual police to assist that professional. But the question with that is, do you send the professional by themselves or would you send in professionals with a police officer to go in together? Like I say, there needs to be no guns there. You need to make the people feel safe. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Now, obviously, you need to retrain the cops on different measures and things like this. But at the end of the day, if individuals know that the first cop they're going to be met with can't kill their life, I could be wrong, but I'm willing to bet a lot that that individual is going to act completely different because you know that your life isn't at risk, period. Now, you might get hurt, you might get tased, you might get rubber bullet. Right, and whoever's making these rubber bullet fucking things, y'all need to relax. We need to fucking know <laughs> so However y'all do that, we need to get the scientists together, and that shit's wild. Cause that's killing people too. You're not sleeping. But we could figure that out, though. But, yeah, I don't think that there needs to be no weapons there because you need to make the people feel safe, like, period, point blank. You need to make people go, okay, some shit is going on, whatever the case is, like, but at least cops are about to come in and kill me, like, that needs to be a mandate because this cop's killing people inside of their homes. Yeah. So. Brianna Taylor, perfect example. This is what I'm telling you now. Imagine if they went in there and just pepper sprayed the fucking home. They'd be fucked up. But you'll be alive. Mm-hmm. And we know them cops is on bullshit. Could we train them? Or figure something out, some discipline, something. Because why did you go in this house? And yeah. This is multiple things that we could see. So. Yeah, and this all stems from police brutality. So we know that police brutality is real. We know that it's actually happening. And I think George Floyd was the event that just showed just the fierce and the the brutality of it. Just leaning on the man's neck for eight long minutes. You have to watch that and him crying out for his mother. You watched the video? I never watched it. Yes, I definitely, yeah, I watched the video a couple of times. I don't know why I did. It was just something that was in my spirit. Just told me to watch it. And yeah, I mean, it started off with... Them, they had him handcuffed. He was laying on the ground, and then he was just started couldn't breathe. People was telling the officer to get off him. He can't breathe. There's no reason for to have his knee on his neck like that. The officer just sat there, kneeled there the whole time. This is a vicious act of violence, and I think that's the reason why people are in uproar the way they are. But police brutality is real. It's something that needs to be stopped. It has to be reformed. One more thing on this police stuff, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, there has to be another screening process on who becomes the police officer. Mm -hmm. I I don't know what's in place right now, but I don't know about you guys, but the people that I knew from high school that became cops were the biggest assholes in school. Like, (laughs) some of the dumbest, meanest guys that they could find. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. how are you guys in charge of protecting me? Like, you guys were the ones making my life shit. Like, I mean... Honestly, I don't know what the process is. I also know a guy who got turned away from being a cop because he was too nice. Like, <laughs> or the fucking IQ was too high. Yeah. There's a couple people who was turned away from multiple departments because their IQ mm-hmm. was simply too high. Now, that's crazy. Explain this. Who's making these decisions? I just want some answers. God damn it. You wanna, yeah. Listen, you want to take all this tax money, just answer a couple questions. I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. you got to put in new requirements. I mean, I don't have it in front of me, but I don't know what the requirements are to be a cop or to be a supervisor, to be the chief of police. But it can't be somebody who's that well-educated for them to 
they're making a decision that they're making at the moment and whoever's training them need to be fired and they all need to be retrained again as much money as they're getting the mayor garcetti tried to give the lapd like 20 50 million dollars and they protest against that and he cut the budget by 100 million i still think 150 million is way too much for one police department that sounds like a budget for the entire state <laughs> no i mean wait that's for one department that's for lapd yes well, not one LAPD department, but LAPD themselves. LAPD is pretty large. I'm not justified on this shit. I don't want to be quick to crucify them either. Like, I do what most Americans should be fair and But when you think of funding, like, you got to think the small things, the boots, the shoelaces. Like, all this shit eventually adds up times hiring people on the department, right? Like, the helmets, the baton, like, the papers, the fucking gloves it's like like all the small ancillary things combined with the guns and the other things like i don't know i don't want to be quick to like crucify and, and just be like that's too much money because with the money being spent right it could be justified well maybe they should supply a spreadsheet like when i go out on business trips and i buy stuff i have to send in a copy to my superiors of what i bought and why i bought it like Mm-hmm. What they had to supply us with, what they bought, how much it cost, and why they bought it. I mean, it could be as simple as that. Yes, I think that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, definitely make that open to the public. Let the public be able to see those documents to see what they're spending that money on. And I think the public will be a little bit more lenient to it once they see those having tanks. I don't mean to cut you off, but I think them having tanks and being like a fucking mini military. That's it. We need to figure out a way to do that. That's wild. Yeah. Like, I mean, but you got Tesla police cars and Ferrari police cars out here. That necessary, you believe? I know. I've never seen no shit like yeah, that. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen a couple of pictures with uh, Tesla police cars and Ferrari police cars. I've seen that like overseas, but they got that like here in the States. Yeah, in the States, yes. I've seen those pictures a couple of days ago, actually. Yeah, man. They need to get them back in the little whoopties, man. They, need, they don't need <laughs> nothing like that. Yeah. Yeah, see, yeah, see yeah. that's what things need to be defunded. Exactly. Well, that brings us to our last topic, man. I mean, this is a sports podcast. How do you think the role of sports is going to play into this? What do you guys think? Man, it's hard. I mean, I can see it always, right? I'm not in their shoes, and I don't want to tell them what they should and what should not do. I mean, you have to understand that them going into this bubble and playing or whatever it may be allows them to have money to back a lot of different opportunities and things to uplift the culture as well as if you're not playing you still have that opportunity to go out and show your support physically but again like i don't know maybe they really should be with their families and focusing on what they need to do as well as making sure their owners aren't getting this bread when they need to when they don't need it yeah i mean i know when sports is around it defers a lot of attention so everybody start watching sports things get back to normal and some of the Players like Kyrie Irving have spoke out about not coming back due to the systematic racism and doing to currently what the Black Lives Matter is doing right now. They feel like the movement is so prevalent. If sports come back, it will take from that. And I can see that, but I also can see them coming back and being in the spotlight as a sports entertainer. It could really add to the momentum of the Black Lives movement. Yeah, that shit's tough, man. Tough decision, right? Because oh, obviously you can definitely see it from all angles. It's like, you no, know I'm saying, like, you can definitely see it from all different sides because it could easily come back and be something that we could use as a nation to make us stronger 
um, showcasing events and things like that because it does bring people together of different races and things like that. But it also could be a distraction uh, with what really needs to go on. And when I think of like guys like Muhammad Ali and that's a guy that play on the Browns. Like I think can him, Jim Brown. Brown, right? Like these is like dudes that like stuff or something. That, I don't know, man. It's tough. It's tough. Like I don't know what they should do. I think we all should take it easy and see what's going on with this Corona shit. But that's something different. But <laughs> yeah, man, it's tough. I don't know if they should come back or if they shouldn't. I get it. I say this: you bring it back, and the players that do want to sit out, they sit out. They don't get no fine, but they also don't get no pay. I think that's a good deal. Like, we ain't going to fine you, but we ain't going to pay you. But those who want to come back and actually play can play. Those who actually want to continue to not play and wait until next time or next season, I think you have that option as well. Like, the league has to be sensitive to the culture in that respect. Right? Like, if LeBron wants to come back, but someone else doesn't, Kawhi doesn't, you can't Hey, Kawhi, just take that time off. And will it water things down as far as the NBA? Yeah, but you will be able to see who really rocking with the culture and who not. And even that is still tough. So, I don't know. I don't know about, I mean, all leagues. I watch a lot of sports in general, but basketball does a great job of allowing their players a platform versus things like the NFL is an easy example to paint it against. Or even, or even baseball isn't one to give their players a major voice. But as far as the NBA goes, it gives them a platform to speak and they allow them to speak without hesitation and without fines. And I think it could like allow this to prolong for months at a time because this proposed bubble will last around three months. If there's a player like LeBron James in your face of that magnitude, talking to half the world every other day and projecting his voice, I think will have not just an impact on who's seeing it, but prolonging this in people's face because everyone's going to watch it regardless. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just a thought. Definitely, definitely. That's a very good thought. Tough one. Yeah. NFL, I mean, we probably have to wait it out anyway because the way it's looking like, man, they're about ready to lock us down again anyway. But NFL is obviously going to be different just because players wear helmets, you really don't see them. They already said, like, the players who want to stay in the locker room for the anthem could stay there, whatever the case is. But even that, it gets back to what Nuns was saying earlier about hitting people's pocket. Like, if players really be like, all right, fuck this, we're not playing, and we got enough money to create our own shit, what you gonna do? Mm, exactly. You got enough money to create your own Nike. You know where they get it made at. They get it made over there in China and Indonesia and all these other places. You know what's going on. It ain't that deep. Yeah, it's just like some big ass puzzle. So, I mean, that's more radical, obviously. But hey, anything's possible with the right focus. I mean, these guys definitely have a lot of money collectively to pull together, especially if they go NBA and NFL players working together financially. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. but God bless. Well, let me pose a question about sports. Then back down to college. How come since they're not getting paid and they're not making money off of it, these top athletes just don't go to HBCUs? I mean, they might as well send the money back to their own culture. They'll be able to raise education, open more HBC, well, black colleges. They wouldn't be historical at that point, I guess, if they're new, mm-hmm. right? But you could fund education all the way down. But education is a topic for another day. But I don't understand if these players aren't getting paid. 
either way, I mean, might as well go there and start building something there. I mean, when, like, I look at it and I look at, like, a lot of friends that were highly recruited and just people that I know that played basketball and things like that, it's not that they wouldn't go there. It's just these schools aren't in their face to even mm-hmm. give them the idea. And that might be, like, funding thing, budgeting thing on the schools behalf. I'm not sure. But you got to think, they only have so many players to, like, go and actually recruit every year. Plus, they only have so much money to spend per each person that they're trying to recruit. And so a school like Howard, in comparison to a school like Kentucky, you know what I mean? Kentucky can fly across the country. Howard might not have that budget to be able to yep. even market to even get a player to even think about signing there. So I think that's so tied in. But players should definitely consider going to HBCU now. Well, my argument, my argument behind that is this doesn't have to come from the colleges. This has to come from the culture and the individuals, right? Mm-hmm. I, and this doesn't come from Howard giving all these people money and flying and getting in their face. It comes from a group of five friends, like the Fab Five, that are just like, guess what? We're going to Howard this year. Yeah, I got you. I got you. I got you. Yeah. yeah. And that'd actually, dope. Uh, like, I think, man, that would definitely shake it up. That would definitely shake some shit up for sure. Yeah, and actually, Mikey Williams, one of the best 15-year-olds in the country, since Shockwaves, I believe that was on June 8th, talking about he might go to a historic black college um, instead of going to Duke. That was a huge conversation. I think the article is actually from the conversation, actually, theconversation.com, if you want to look up that story. Mikey Williams actually said he might go to HBCU instead of going to Duke. That would be a big thing, actually. And then he recruits his friends to go with him, just like they always do to go. Exactly. like Just like Zion and RJ yeah. Barrett and them did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that wraps it up for episode one of the State of America. We definitely will be back. Thank you guys for joining me right now. I really appreciate it. We talked on racial divide, police brutality, Black Lives Matter, Against All Lives Matter, and a ride in looting. In our next episode, we're going to talk about NASCAR. We're going to talk more into it about the Kyrie and NBA players not wanting to play. We're going to talk about the NFL $250 million donation to assist racial equality and social injustice. Talk a little about prison system, Karen and Jamal, and all these corporations who donated money right now. Any last words from you guys before we get on episode two? I appreciate all you guys. Like I want to tell all the viewers, I know this is a sports podcast, but right now it's a different state of America. We have no active sports and America's in the uproar right now, rightfully so. So we wanted to put out some content to you guys about the current state of America. Hope you guys enjoy it and we'll see you on the next episode. State of America part two. Peace.